We only have one life, as it were. We have several chances in life, but we have one life. You have one life to live and you've got to make the most of it. We don't know what's around the corner. Just go for it. Who cares what other people think? You know, if it works, great. You can show them. If it doesn't work, you'll soon forget about it. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Power of Storytelling. I am joined today by a fabulous guest who I met back in 2017, I want to say. And it was when I was bringing out my second children's book called James and the Birthday Balloon. And I was looking for a way to be able to elevate and amplify my message about kindness and how we should spread that kindness amongst our peers and our friends. And quite frankly, there was no better person to approach to be able to do that than the lovely Dr. Ranj. And I'm delighted to say that Dr. Ranj, um, who you all know from the TV, everyone knows TV's Dr. Ranj. He's joining us here on the podcast today. So Ranj, it's lovely to have you back with us and be able to have a chat again as we used to back in 2017. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, it was a lovely little project with a, with a beautiful message. And I was so glad that we got to work together on that. And now we're working together again, which is nice. I know. It's so special. And I think for so many people, they will have gone on to see your career completely skyrocket over the last few years. I mean, it's it's been really since 2012, I want to say, since you were doing CBeebies and Get Well Soon. And then obviously you went on and you won a children's BAFTA. And then you've been on Strictly Come Dancing <laughs> and you've done all these amazing things in between. But your story is I think is very inspiring for anyone that's listening that feels like I can't tell my story. For whatever reason, I feel that I need to hold myself back. And when you first started out, you were working, have you always worked in medicine? That's one thing I have never asked you. Have you always wanted to be a doctor and always wanted to help others? Basically, yes. I grew up pretty much uh, <laughs> wanting to be a doctor most of my life. I'd kind of entertained some other careers as a kid, thinking astronaut, teacher, etc. <laughs> Realised those jobs were far too difficult. So I qualified in 2003. So I'm technically in my 20th year of being a doctor this year. It's something that I still do. Uh, obviously, my career has taken a very different path since I started. And now I have a, a couple of jobs, I would say. But I still, um, I still work in hospital. I've, I've just done a shift, actually. Yesterday and overnight, I was on call in Children's A&E, which is what I do. I do that part time now. I still very much enjoy it and I'm still very much in the thick of it. 
which is incredible when you think about it. And I know, obviously, you had that lifelong love of wanting to be able to help others, whereas a lot of people might be like, well, hang on a second, I've got all this amazing attention, I've got this bigger platform, so I could leave behind the medical side of things because it's not been the easiest of times. And as you say, you've been a doctor now for 20 years, you could have quite easily walked away from that altogether. Yeah. And there have been times where, don't get me wrong, I have thought about it. There was, there were times where I have had to take a step back because it is an intense career and it is really, really exhausting physically and mentally. And I, and I reached at one stage, um, probably about five years ago, I did get burnout and I had to step back. So it's certainly something that I've experienced uh, and those feelings of thinking, I can't do this, or it's just easier to do something else. But then it always brings me back to the core of why am I doing this? And why did I start doing this? And it just goes back to wanting to make things better for other people in some way, shape or form. So I work with children and children are fantastic. They're very resilient and sick children bounce back most of the time, which is a, a great thing to be a part of. But even if they don't, we are able to improve their lives and the lives of their families in some way. And that's what I strive to do. And I remind myself in those really, really tough moments where I think, oh, I just, I just want to get away from this and do something else and do something uh, a bit easier. I, I remind myself that that's, that's what gives me a sense of satisfaction. It's what gives me a sense of joy and a sense of meaning. And that's what doing the job you're supposed to do is all about. And I guess it's finding that thing that will fulfill you as well, isn't it? It's that thing where you, you know that you found a way to be able to help others and be able to give back. Totally. Absolutely. I've always wanted to, um, I've always tried to live by the thing that if you find the job that you love, then going to work doesn't feel like work anymore. I've always tried to strive for that. And part of, I think, finding the job you love is finding the job that you're meant to do. And even though my day job, my medical job can be extremely tough at times, I still tell myself there is no other job that I would choose. Even if I'm doing other stuff and I'm really lucky to be, um, you know, working on television projects and book projects and other little bits and bobs that I get to do, I still say that I would still come back to medicine. That is where my passion is. That's my, that's where my sense of identity and purpose comes from. And that's why I could never give it up. Now your story and part of the reason that I, well, obviously I would want you on as a guest anyway, because you are, you're one of the people that I completely associate with kindness and you are you everything you epitomize kindness from start to finish your journey though to get to where you are hasn't all been plain sailing how difficult was it for you to actually go out there and say hang on a second this is who I really am it's not always been easy it's been easier for me than it has been for some others I've got to admit not um I wouldn't say I've had the worst journey uh, absolutely for those people who may not be aware um I came out when I was 30 prior to that I had been married to a woman and I only really 
I suppose, accepted who I really was authentically when I got to 30. And my life changed quite dramatically. It was quite tough going through that period at that time. Looking back on it, it was really, really difficult. And I went through a lot at that time. But it going through that meant I got to discover who I was, learn about who I was, and then completely be me. And that is possibly the most freeing experience I've ever had. And actually, my entire life changed at that point. I always describe it as feeling like I could finally unfurl my wings at that point and just go for it. And I did. I did. That is kind of weirdly at the same time when um, the stuff I do in the media kind of took off as well, because I think I allowed myself to be me and just celebrate myself and just go out there and do it and be unashamed, unashamedly me. But getting to that point was really difficult, I think. Getting to that point and kind of always second-guessing myself and thinking and just being confused about who I was and just being worried about being myself and how other people would judge me, maybe. All of those things go through your head. And it's only when I really just kind of threw all of that down and said, you know what, life's too short. You only get to live once. You might as well make the most of it. And those who love you won't care. Those who bother who are bothered by it, well, maybe you could, you know, you're probably best off without them. What an incredible journey to actually go through. But then also, not long afterwards, you're in the media spotlight, yes. as you say, which yeah. makes it just so much harder that you're going through all of those emotions, that journey, all of the stages and everything else, and you're being seen. So there's no hiding really at that point, is there? No, and I didn't want to hide. I think I'd kind of felt like in some way, although it wasn't quite like that, I'd kind of hidden myself for a long time already. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be me, then then I need to be open and honest and just be completely me. And actually, it wasn't just about me. Part of, part of me being in the spotlight and just being upfront about it meant that it helped me come to terms with who I am. But it also, I thought, well, if there's somebody else out there who's going through a similar thing, maybe it might help them along. And I certainly, when I was open about, for instance, my sexuality in the media, I certainly got lots of messages from people who were struggling, who were really struggling to, to come to terms with who they were, to be open with who they were, and to get other people to get on board with that, especially from search, certain cultures and backgrounds. So I saw it as a twofold thing. One, it was therapy for me to kind of you know, understand and accept who I was, but also it was to set an example to say, well, if I can do this, so can you. And guess what? It does get so much better than you do. I know it's really tough to go through that process of showing the world who you are, but trust me, it's worth it. As long as you can do it safely and securely, it really is worth it. And hopefully that will provide you with some sense of reassurance if you are going through a similar kind of journey uh, to Branch. And you've got a book coming out, which as soon as I saw it announced, I it there was part of me that just lit up because it epitomizes everything that we're talking about now. It's called How to Be a Boy and Do It Your Own Way. And that's so important, especially for boys, especially for boys, because I think I mean, I think it's important for girls as well. Don't get me wrong. But 
I think for boys, because we're so often, they have this kind of rhetoric that you have to, you know, curtail your emotions. You can't show how you're feeling. You have to bottle everything up. I'm a firm believer that actually it's much better to get everything out in the open. So to have a book like this, where you can talk about being yourself, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's really important. Yeah, so it's interesting. So the idea for this book came about when I've become, I suppose, recently very aware of uh, conversations around masculinity that are happening sort of online in the media and certain examples of people showing certain kinds of behavior. Uh, not always ideal, I would I would say. And the phrase toxic masculinity being thrown around a lot more. And I thought, do you know what? What are young boys thinking when they see this? What are they understanding by this? How are they feeling about themselves? And we've got displays, particularly on social media, but on other media as well, of people behaving certain ways that aren't ideal. We had the whole Sarah Everard tragedy that happened and the conversations that happened around the way men and boys behave at that stage. And I thought, Young kids, boys really need something that helps them understand who they are and how to reframe masculinity so it's positive. So masculinity doesn't have to be negative and masculinity doesn't have to be traditionally what we think it is. So I wanted to kind of change that narrative and create something for boys of every kind, no matter who you are, where you're from, what your background, what you look like. Um, whatever your identity as a boy might be, I wanted to help boys discover who they are, celebrate who they are, and be able to nurture some positive qualities that show them just how incredible they can be. And I wanted it to be as inclusive as possible. I wanted them to understand that, you know what, you don't have to be a certain way to be a boy or a man. You don't. You don't have to be butch. You don't have to be macho. There are certain behaviors that you will have seen and heard that are not okay. But do you know what? There are all these other things that you can do that are amazing. And I don't want you growing up as a boy to see what you see on social media and think, gosh, there's a problem with us, isn't there? There's an inherent problem because it isn't. There's a problem with society and the way society, I think, interprets masculinity and tells boys and expects boys how they should be. And that I want to change. So we explore everything from, you know, gender identity through to sexuality, through to mental well-being and looking after yourselves, developing qualities like friendship, allyship, leadership, but in every single shape and form. So we look at it across cultures. We look at it Uh, across geography. And I don't want people to sit and think it's only for a certain kind of boy. This is for every kind of boy and anyone who identifies as a boy. This is for them. This is to say, you can be whoever you want to be and you can be amazing at it. And that's the kind of message I want them to take away from this. So it took me a really long time to, to write this. It was a real struggle to write this because I'm used to writing sort of medical books that are quite factual and quite sciencey, and this was quite a different uh, sort of challenge for me. But I hope we've got it right, and I really, really hope that the the young people that read this find this really helpful. I hope the you know the the older people and the parents and carers that might pick it up find it helpful as well. Yeah, I think it's 
it's about reaching different generations, isn't it? And being able to have those open conversations. I mean, we talked about there how it's really important for you to be your authentic self and and really feel like you can step into your own power. And that comes down to also feeling confident enough to be able to put yourself out there and say, this is my story. This is how things have happened to me. This is how things have unfolded. How did it actually unfold for you? So there you are working in a hospital, um, quite happily doing all of your shifts. You've, you've studied for years. You've become like, you know, pediatrician. You're, you're working as a doctor um, in A&E, looking after children. And then did someone just suddenly tap you on the shoulder and say, hang on a second, you'd be great on TV. <laughs> How did it work? How did it go from you being on the wards to all of a sudden being on TV? So I've always been a creative kid, always. I've been very artistic, very musical. And when I was younger, particularly in sort of, you know, primary school, I loved that kind of stuff. My first love was music. The first thing I was ever told I was good at was music. And I still remember that to this day. And I had a brilliant teacher that nurtured that, Mrs. Page, who I actually, a few years ago when I was doing pantomime down in Kent, and she brought my old school reports with her. She phot she'd photocopied them and she had them and she brought them with her. And it was so nice seeing her for 35 years later, almost it was, and she still remembered me and she still remembered what I was like. And she was the one that nurtured that creative artistic side of me. But as I was growing up, I sort of thought, oh, I've got to fall into line I've got to, you know, I've got to find a career. Luckily, I had this scientific side of me that was quite curious and keen. And so I got into the sciencey kind of stuff. But that creative kid is always there in the core of me. Um, and then I guess when I was working as a doctor, and I'd been working for about five or six years, and it's a full-on job, my creative side didn't get a look in. I didn't really express that part of me. And I needed an outlet. I just did. And I ended up getting involved in some projects with the BBC that were, they were, they were looking for a, a young people's doctor to kind of advise them on some of their programming. And it was creative and it was kind of borrowing from my day job. So I thought, okay, do you know what? This actually looks really interesting. And I got involved as a hobby and then it just kind of grew from there. People just kind of started passing my name around and said, oh, you'd be good for this. Or have you considered this? And I was like, no, I've got a job. <laughs> I'm just doing this for a laugh. But people just encouraged me and said, right, do you know what? Why don't you go and audition for this presenting thing? And I was like, okay, do you know what? I'll give it a go. But I'm really not holding my breath. And it just kind of gathered pace. And I realized quite quickly that actually this is a way, firstly, for me to get health information out to the masses, which is what I do as a job. And secondly, it's a really amazing way for that creative kid inside me to, to be themselves again. And that was kind of part of my journey of being me. So it wasn't just me having the confidence to sort of put myself out there. It was, and this is, this is the other side of the coin for anybody that's trying to be themselves is you've got to do it in an environment where people are receptive to you being who you are as well. So there's two parts of people being able to flourish. Firstly, you've got to have the confidence and I suppose the bravado to get out there. Secondly, you've just got to be in that environment that maybe enables you to do that as well. Because for some people, it would have been really, really tough. I was just lucky to have people around me that 
were accepting and, you know, uh, encouraging of that as well. So that's kind of how it happened. So I ended up getting involved in more TV and it just kind of built momentum. <laughs> and um, somebody said to me, oh, you should get yourself an agent. And I was like, oh gosh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Found myself an agent. And then my first big sort of TV gig was with CBeebies, the BBC's children's channel. And I remember having a meeting with an agent who just gave me the best piece of advice. She said, look, do you know what you need to do? Go away. Come up with an idea for a TV show that is based around you, that only you can do. And that's where the idea for Get Well Soon, the CBB show, was born. It's actually born in my shower because I do a lot of my thinking in my shower. And that's where the concept came from. And then I just happened to know a couple of people that worked in the right industries. And I took it to them and said, oh, look, I've got this little idea. What do you think? And they were like, do you know what? This could potentially turn into something. Let's let's build on it. And I got introduced to a production company and we kind of co-developed it. And then it just grew. It just sort of blossomed from there. And, and I still give people that advice today. I say, do you know, if you want to be successful in something, come up with something that only you can do and show people. Then you've got to show people that you can do it because it hasn't always been a case of people just giving me opportunities. I've actually had to go away, do it and say, here you go, told you so. <laughs> and then they're on board. Yeah, I, I love that. The fact that when you have that little bit of thinking time, and I think it's really important as well that we give ourselves that, no matter how busy we are, we give ourselves that space and that environment where we can just sit and come up with the ideas. So quite often, ideas will flow to you and and you'll get something just at that Point. But I love the fact that you didn't really have to force it. It was almost like it was, uh, this is exactly what you were always meant to do. Let it in. Let it in. You're right. You don't have to force it. And one of the things I firmly believe in, we live in a society, in a world where there's a there's a, there's a huge emphasis and focus on achievement and doing stuff and getting stuff done, you know, being busy. We're busier now more than we ever have been. And actually, it's the moments when you pause and you breathe and you reflect, those are just, and when you rest, those are just as important, if not more important. And actually, sometimes that's when the ideas come in, when you let them. Because when you're so busy getting on with stuff and trying to do things and meeting deadlines, and we've all been there, we're all doing it. You and I are both doing it. <laughs> when, when you're so focused on that, you forget the inherent creativity and the thinking that your brain is doing in the background. And sometimes when you just pause and create some space, it allows that idea to come in. And that could be, honestly, that could be life-changing. Yeah, it really can. And I think for me, what's been really lovely about this chat is the fact that we're talking about impacting others. So using your love of medicine, of being able to help heal others especially children which i know both both of us share a massive passion about if you can help children then you can change the world because they are the future and being able to take that impact even further i mean that idea that you had in your shower you mm. went on to win a bafta yeah we we actually won two which amazing blew me away. when when the idea came to me I, I certainly didn't have any kind of notions of awards and things but I wanted to create something that was not only creative and entertaining but actually helped people weirdly the core of everything that I do is as much as some of my roles are quite good fun a lot of 
it all comes back to, well, what am, who am I helping? What am I doing to help someone? So whether I'm writing a book, most of those are to help people. Whether I'm doing a, a segment on morning live and TV where I'm talking about a health topic, it's directly to try and advise and help someone. Whether I'm doing charity work or whether I'm in hospital, it all comes back to, for me, what am I doing to help? How am I making things slightly better for somebody else? And that, to me, gives me my purpose. Absolutely gives me my purpose. And, and, and if me being myself and sharing my story and being open and loud and proud about it can help somebody else do the same, then I'll do it time and time again. And that is exactly what I want everyone listening to this podcast to take away from today, because it is, it's about how can you impact the lives of others? How can you make that difference through what it is that you do? But if you don't tell others what you do, how are you going to be able to help yeah. them? <laughs> don't, be, don't be shy. Don't be scared of what other people think. Like I said, we only have one life, as it were. We have several chances in life, but we have one life. And you have one life to live and you've got to make the most of it. We don't know what's around the corner. We've just come out, well, we're still kind of in a massive pan global pandemic, which changed things for so many people. We couldn't have expected or predicted that. So that really taught me, just go for it. Who cares what other people think? You know, if it works, great. You can show them. If it doesn't work, you'll soon forget about it. What you don't want to do is be is come is come to the end of the end of the road and think, oh gosh, you know what? I wish I really wish I'd given that a go. So wise, so wise for one so young. You are like fabulous, and <laughs> I love having you on as a guest, um, Doctor Range. We will pop the details of your new upcoming book in the show notes. We will also pop your contact details in terms of social media, so people can go and follow you can see what else you're up to because you're always <laughs> doing fun stuff you're always like here there and everywhere appearing for a calendar <laughs> on bbc morning live or doing other things you're always up to fun um so thank you for everyone for tuning in today to the power of storytelling podcast don't forget i'd love to hear from you any comments about today's episode contact me nicola at njrpr.com or get in touch via Instagram at Nicola J. Rowley PR. And don't forget to rate and review because the more that you do this, the more we will be able to spread that ripple effect and be able to impact more lives. Because at the end of the day, that is what storytelling can do. That is the power of storytelling. <laughs>